0: Hello, and welcome to the Activation Nation podcast, your weekly source of actionable advice from industry experts in self-development, health, life vantage products, network marketing, and more to help you activate your wellness, your business, and your life. Today's episode focuses on product, one of the four pillars of belief. But first, the legal stuff. You may hear our guests talk about the income they've earned or how their health has been affected with life LifeVantage. Please note that the average annual earnings of a typical active life Vantage distributor in 2021 was $704. For the most up-to-date information, please click the link in our show notes. Any product statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And now, here's your host to dive into today's story to help you activate your life.
1: Hello, Activation Nation, and welcome to the Product Edition Podcast. My name is Jesse Allen. I'm the host for today's episode. I'm the Senior Vice President of Product Marketing here at LifeVantage. Today, I'm joined by Elite Pro9, Dr. Don Dean Nettles. Dr. Nettles has been part of LifeVantage almost since the beginning, although you'll find during the episode his, his beginning with LifeVantage was a bit questioned. On whether he wanted to be part of a network marketing company or not. The real catalyst in making that decision was his own personal experience with Nerf 2, which is an example of how a single event changed the direction of his life throughout the, the course of his life. We're going to dive into why chiropractics, why he went down that route versus a number of other routes, you'll find out he was in college for longer than most of us, but why he made the decision that he did, why as a chiropractor and healthcare practitioner, he chose to align himself with LifeVantage versus all the other supplement companies that he had an opportunity to join. A little bit about Dr. Nettles. Dr. Nettles is a former family wellness chiropractor. He specialized in posture correction through neurologic rehabilitation and balance. Starting in his career in California he then moved to Arizona where in a short 18 months he grew that practice to the 14th largest uh, chiropractic practice in Arizona and was treating anywhere from 350 to 500 patients a week. Dr. Nettles also worked as an AM talk radio host and once you start to hear his, uh, his voice coming through your headphones I think you'll understand why. Today, Dr. Nettles is a stay-at-home dad, he's a podcaster with his own podcast, and a home-based global entrepreneur. He has, in his words, and I agree, a perfect blended family with his beautiful wife, Marcy, who also happens to run her own podcast. Together, they have four wonderful children and three even more wonderful grandchildren. They are passionate about equipping, evaluating, and empowering families to create a global legacy and achieve their dreams. I had a great time the morning that I spent talking to Dr. Nettles. I got to know him better, both as a distributor, but more importantly, as a person and what he's passionate about. It was a fascinating conversation and one that I hope you enjoy as much as I did. Let's start with Dondi. Like, I actually don't know where you're from. I know you live in Arizona now, but I don't know anything about your upbringing or where you grew up or like what makes you tick?
2: Well, it's a long complex story but i'm originally as as they are yeah i'm originally from northern california the bay area okay um grew up there born and raised there had a wonderful life there Um, but it was a very tumultuous life multiple divorces between my biological parents first time when i was seven and i mean it, it was the only consistency that i had in my life most of my my growing up years especially my teenage years was inconsistency And so there was the necessity to adapt to that. When I was 12, I went to live with my father. Um, The way the law was, when my parents got divorced, my brother and I stayed with my mom. My mom got remarried and my dad moved to Northern California. Uh, We were living in Riverside, Southern California at the time. My dad got remarried, but when I was 12, uh, the, the laws in California said I could go live with whoever parent I chose. And I chose my and father. It was your choice. It was my choice. And so I went to live with my father and my brother stayed behind and, and lived with my mom. So from now, that point on. What's the on, difference between
1: the two of you?
2: Uh, four years. Okay. So four years difference, my younger brother. So my my with my choice at 12, my brother and I became only children. Mm-hmm. My brother with my mom, me mm-hmm. with my father. And way. my parents were very, very, very different. And so with my one the shame that came along with divorce and uprooting and moving to now this was in seventh grade so i completed sixth grade elementary school with my mom seventh grade in a brand new area brand new school and and kind of the odd kid out and so i had to rely on defense mechanisms so i I, my my personality kicked in class clown if i could make people laugh at me they wouldn't know about my background so it was a very good um facade I would sure. say and and defense, it worked
1: defense mechanism
2: yeah it was and it worked until it didn't until people started to see through it and I started to know that I can't continue living this kind of a life what, what age was that that was probably 12 13 14 so, as it started to so soon soon but I still I still tried to maintain control and modify that so I focused on a couple different things academics Excelling in academics because the people were paying attention to my grades and making honor roll and and all of these things, it would take away from the personal side that I was hiding from. And the other was sports, excelling in sports. So those were my two passions: sports and academics. Getting good grades, becoming the scholar athlete, mm-hmm. because it took away from my private life. People didn't know. And then my yeah. father got divorced again, and so it, it took away from the personal side because people were only focusing on my accomplishments.
1: Was there was there ever the look at all. Gandhi has accomplished despite his environment. Did that ever come up? It came
2: up a lot, but only in my own mind. It, there was nobody pointing nobody, that out nobody to me. Nobody else was doing it. No. You were telling yourself that story. I was. I felt I was still, while I was becoming more authentic, I still felt that I was somewhat fraudulent because yeah. I was still hiding behind me. Mm-hmm. the The real me, and it wasn't until the day I graduated from high school, and I graduated from Homestead High School in Cupertino, Go Mustangs! Um, <laughs> and on my uh, right before I was getting ready to drive from my house to the school to go through our graduation procession, my my grandmother was putting my gown on me, putting my hat on me, making sure everything fits, and she just put her hands on my shoulders and looks me looked me right in the eyes, and she said, "Honey, let me share something with you." The best advice I could give you on this transition in your life is if your insides don't match your outsides, you have work to do. And I, into the core of me, it, it penetrated deeper than any other advice parentally or grandparentally that I had ever gotten because it exposed the fraud that I was living. My outsides were the exact opposite of my insides because I was hiding behind them, mm. but they really weren't. The academics, I earned the academics, mm-hmm. I earned the sports you know, the, the accelerate, the ex, uh, excelling in sports, I earned those things, and it was part of who I am. I just didn't want people to see did, that I had those scars and those traumas in my life until it became something I became okay with. Did she know you were hiding behind it? Like I don't what, think did, she could did. Could
1: she see it, and
2: or well, it was just, or <laughs> it was just? She probably did because that was the best thing she could have said at sure. the best possible time. Yeah, I think in her, own, she never pointed it out to me, mm-hmm. but I think in the way she said that. She pointed it out. Yeah, so uh, I yeah, she had I'm just a lot of curious wisdom.
1: that whether you know whether she could see it, and she's like, "I've got, I got to help him," or yeah. if, or if, or if it was just just good grandmotherly advice that she would have given to any of the other grandchildren, and it just so happened that it was
2: exactly what you needed to hear. Yeah, well, we had a special bond because I think I was her first grandchild, so yeah. we had that in common, and we just had we had a very candid relationship. There yeah. was no hiding behind anything. We were very transparent with each other. So I probably told her things I never told my parents and definitely sure. didn't tell my close friends, but she saw things. So I think the the long answer to your question would be, yeah, I think she did. Mm. And she chose the words very specifically mm. and very precisely that hit me as deeply as they could. And that, that moment literally changed my life.
1: So it's a pivotal moment.
2: Pivotal. I mean, I'm telling you about it 39 years later. You're 18 years old. It's the day of graduation. So then what? And then I went on to, well, I, then, then while I got it, I don't think I lived it because I changed my major seven times. I mean, you'd had,
1: you'd had at that point, eight years, seven years of practice of hiding it. Yeah. That doesn't change with a statement. No.
2: Yeah. I, but though I tried, um, but I still, and, and then when it went from there grad, then went into college. And looking at what my and I did take the aptitude test, you know what what my college counselors or what this test specifically said I'd be good at either whether trade or academic background, and I wanted to be a marine biologist. I want that was my first passion. Is that because of the Bay Area? No, because of Jacques Cousteau. Jacques Cousteau. Yeah, All and right. and and public public television. Okay. um watching jacques Cousteau and being and the movie jaws was obviously an influence too so <laughs> wanting mean, inspired to be, a lot of people not to be a marine biologist <laughs> i didn't necessarily want to be a scuba diver but i wanted to be a marine biologist and study things yeah. um i wanted to scuba dive in safe waters not where there's you know great white sharks but <laughs> that's gonna eat you i really and then my father one day and i don't know where how where he gathered his knowledge but he said you know, I think you should probably look at something other than marine biology for a career path because there's a lot of marine biologists working at convenience stores. <laughs> now, I don't know whether that was true. I don't know where he got his, I think it was just him not wanting me to be a marine biologist. Yeah. And, I, and unfortunately, I let that parental influence dictate it. And so I changed- How, how, how old were you at this point? Oh, I was probably nineteen, twenty. Okay, I was probably so two is... years into my college. Okay, that okay. was my first major change. Two years in, I hadn't yet transferred to San Jose State. Still working in in, in uh, junior college, but I changed my major literally seven times. Chiropractic was my seventh major, mm. and I I started in chiropractic college in nineteen ninety five. Okay, I graduated high school in nineteen eighty three. So oh, twelve wow. years. So
1: twelve years, you're. I'm going to school for twelve years. Yeah. And you still paying that off or?
2: Uh... Well, thank God my parents were paying that. My, my dad, well, the agreement I had with my father is if you maintain an A grade point average, I'll pay for your school. Okay. And so I capitalized on that. Yeah. But the problem was he never once said, dude, are you going to make up your mind and finish something? <laughs> You're costing me a Get fortune. Get it done, would you? And so when I decided I was going to be a chiropractor, I applied for student loans and did all the funding and financing myself so that I didn't want to put my father, even though he agreed to it. And he actually got upset when he found out I did all of that. Okay. Because of because of our agreement, but it was the first thing that felt right for me. So the th- this, the previous six majors, I was going on what would either make money, what would make my dad proud, what would be prestigious, yeah. at, you know, as initials after your name. Doing it for the um, perception. Um, doing not it for the perception, yeah. and not for the fulfillment. And I realized one day, I don't even. I mean, this one epiphany. I was I was studying to be a, a CPA, and I don't even like math. <laughs> I did math because I had to. And I'm like, I'm going to create a career choice working with numbers. And I hate Be math. Miserable. But my, because they convinced me that CPAs make a lot of money. And I thought, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And I, I heard my grandmother's voice in my head echoing over and over. And I said, I've got to find what I was isn't, here
1: isn't to do. Isn't that amazing how many decisions we make for even sometimes good decisions, but just the wrong reason? Yeah. Right? Being guided by. What should I do that's going to make a lot of money? Not what should I do that I'm going to be happy, right? But that I'm going to make money because we think that if we make money, we're going to be happy, and not the case. So how, like, right. so how do you land on chiropractic? Because most people don't have exposure, no. right, to chiropractic. You maybe you've been in for an adjustment once or twice. I mean, well, granted, I granted, you were like the forty-year college student, but yeah, but so maybe you had been adjusted, but. Okay, like why chiropractic? How were you exposed and how'd you make that decision? This
2: is the even more bizarre story and the proof of how God has always been orchestrating things in my life from a non-conventional, untraditional way. So if you're familiar with the movie Back to the Future, the McFly moments Mm. that were you know, where um, Biff just goes up and pounds him on the head. <laughs> hey, McFly, God has done that to me all my life. But it had to be something so profound to get my attention. While I was, I had just gotten fired from a job. First and only time I ever got fired for fighting. And mm. a, a guy threw a punch at me, I ducked it, and supposedly I was in a fight. So the, the rules, the, you had to get, you know, termination Terminated. comes with fighting. So I was unemployed and the Alameda County Fair in Northern California was the in town and I'm walking through the the fairgrounds, and I see this sign that says pottery and quilting exhibit. Now, mind you, pottery doesn't appeal to me. Quilting definitely doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> but I felt like this, almost like this Death Star gravitational pull, to use a Star Wars reference, to go into this thing. And I'm thinking, why? And I'm having this intellectual discussion with myself. As I don't you're like, walking in. As I'm walking in. Yep. I don't care about pottery. I don't care about quilts. And I walk in the middle of this in the middle of this building is this chiropractor doing this posture analysis. Which has nothing to do with pottery, nothing to do with quilts. I think it was just the only place the fairgrounds this could is the put only this booth guy. That he could find. Because probably all the other exhi- ex, you know, exhibitor spaces were sold out or something. So they put him in there, the, this unfortunate guy's in the middle of this. And so I walk up and I, and I was kind of intrigued. And he, he had people stand on these scales one foot, one scale for the right foot, one scale for the left foot, measuring their weight differential. And he had this apparatus that they stand on with vertical and horizontal references that they measure the, their shoulders. Are they level? The hips, are they level? Their earlobes, are they level with regard to posture? And I'm watching him evaluate these people and I'm thinking, and I'm fascinated by it. And I'm looking at all these people that I never would have known had there not been these horizontal and vertical reference points, I never would have known somebody had an, had odd posture mm-hmm. or off posture until I was looking at it. And I was like, I gotta do this. Cause I think it's a fairgrounds he's not charging. It's like a ride. You just get in and you step up and they evaluate your posture. And uh, and I was there with my girlfriend at the time. And so I step up there and I'm looking down and he's evaluating my posture and I step off and he leaves the reference points there. And I'm looking at this totally cattywampus if that's a proper medical term, (laughs) posture. And I'm like, there's no way. This is a bait and switch. He's now, I'm the guy, he's gonna try to sell the thing you don't need. And my girlfriend just goes, no, that's exactly how you were. And- You're looking at like your shoulders yeah. are off, so there's and your these hips, hips are these, misaligned and- These vertical references on each point. And there's this, its it, all it was literally was an elastic band in the middle that he brought up to the level of my shoulders and then brought one to level of my hips and the other to level of my earlobes, mm-hmm. And they were all three off. Yeah, And I was like, wow, no wonder. And I was like 30 pounds different, one scale, my right side was 30 pounds heavier than my left so you're side. To- everything is shifted everything's and completely to the shifted, right. and I would say if I told you, I would say I have normal posture. I mm. don't have any. I don't feel anything. And and she goes, no, that's exactly how it was. And I thought he goes, well, would you have, care to have this evaluated? It's it's free. You know, come into my office and we'll do an X-ray and I'll give you a complete. Not routine. right there. You got to go to his yeah. office another day. So he was signing up appointments for another day. Got it. And, and I was like, well, yeah, I'm definitely intrigued. And had she not been there, the answer would have been a hard no, because <laughs> she validated. She goes, no, that's exactly how you were. And we didn't have camera phones back then. Otherwise, I would have yeah. had her take one. And so I went in, and Dr. Mark Wells was a man who's, I get emotional every time I think about it, because it changed my life so dramatically. When I went into his office, and I sat there, mean, mind you, I just got fired from my job. I'm on my sixth major in college. I'm unhappy as far as because I'm no closer to attaining a degree, and I'm on the fence of changing my entire course of study. And I'm in this very significant transitional phase of my life. And I'm watching his patients come in, watching him interact with them, and watching them leave different people. Different people. Different people. Yeah. Coming in in pain, unhappy, whatever the case may be, interacting with him. I don't see what he's doing because he's in a room with them. And then watching them leave on cloud nine, literally different people, facial expressions, body posture, pep in their step. And I'm thinking, this is what I would love to do or find something that allowed me to interact with people to change their lives so profoundly.
1: Yeah. So it wasn't about, it wasn't about you. I wasn't looking. It was about the ability to have an impact on others, to change somebody's Life, even if it was for just the
2: time that they're walking out of the office. Yeah, I was awestruck by it. Yeah, and when I and we were about the same age, so I had relatability to him. And when he went through the evaluation, did and I came back the next day to look at my X-rays, and he told me I had this thing called a mild scoliosis in my mid back, which was causing my shoulders to be on level from my earlobes and my hips, and that they could correct it with corrective posture analysis and and exercises and stretches and tractioning, and that I would be a whole different person. I believed him and I wanted what he had. And after I started to receive the benefits as a patient, which were profound, Mm. I thought this is exactly what (laughs) I have to do. So had I not gotten fired and walked into a pottery exhibit and quilting exhibit and met this man all by chance, um i wouldn't be telling i probably wouldn't even be sitting in this room today because it changed my life so dramatically
1: yeah well all because you got fired yeah what was what was uh what was uh degree number six that you were pursuing
2: degree number six was cpa oh that was cpa yeah you would have been miserable i know i know (laughs) And i got so you ever met a happy accountant well, I I <laughs> no, my account's kidding. pretty happy, I guess, because I'm, she just looks at it a little different way, but ultimately I only see her when I see I'm, her, so I don't yeah, know her private life. I'm just kidding. Yeah. But that's yeah, isn't that so
1: interesting how life works that way? Right? You had to it, it took getting fired. So it, it sounds like there's no other reason you would have even been no. on the fairgrounds. It was during the week. You find Mark Wells. Yeah, Mark Wells. Dr. Mark Wells. Yeah. Mark Wells and and uh Mark changed my his first life, life so, mentor. So that's your exposure, and it an, and which is interesting because it wasn't just being exposed to it, but it had a significant benefit for you outside of seeing what he was doing for other people. Sounds like you were able to correct your posture, so you experienced it,
2: yeah, and decided this is this is the course for me. Within two and a half to three weeks being under his care, I knew chiropractic was going to be my seventh major. Yeah. It was that fast. That's great. Yeah. And I and I went down to my guidance counselor at San Jose State and said, What do I need to do? And mm-hmm. I, what are the academic requirements? I had a lot of the prerequisites already taken care of because I'd have been, you know, changed my major all those times. All the undergrad <laughs> stuff was already pretty much done. And the prereqs were done. And within nine months, I started. All I had to do was take a couple of physics classes, a couple of chemistry classes, and I was in.
1: Okay.
2: And, and was that at San Diego State? Or San, no, Jose, San State. Jose State's where I did my undergrad, mm-hmm. and then uh, Palmer College chiropractic, so transferred right over. Where's Palmer College? San, Palmer Chiropractic College West is in San Jose, California.
1: Okay, so it's still it's still Northern California. Yeah. Okay. So you finished there because I know eventually you end up in Arizona.
2: What? So finished school, then what? So finished school, then went into. Uh, I, I became an independent contractor with my second life mentor, Dr. Ken Savage. Uh, who was a, I, he was the, the guy that I studied under all the way through chiropractic College. very successful guy. And I took an interesting approach because he was not he was not the same as Dr. Mark Wells. Their practice techniques were different, their evaluation strategies were different. And so I learned a different side, but I wanted to see how many different options are out there because I'd only known and experienced one as a patient. And to another, as, a, as an influence on my new mentor after, and Dr. Mark Wells moved away. He moved to Virginia to practice out of Northern California. And so I, I, I went to 85 different chiropractic offices when I was a student just to interview the doctors to yep. see what kind of practice that they had, Smart. what would be a kind of a, a, a natural gravitation for me to go into, what kind of a practice model. And once I got that set and I graduated, I immediately started in. On my my definition of chiropractic in my town, but I realized because well, there, one third of the global population of chiropractors is in California. There's four what? chiropractic colleges in California. There's how many? Four. There's and only four. One third of all
1: chiropractors in the world are in California. Yeah,
2: at least that's what it was when I was going through chiropractic should, college. Because states should have the best. Lots processor. and lots of people move there to go to the chiropractic colleges, and once they get their degrees, they don't leave because mm-hmm. the weather was great. Yeah. And so there was 25 other chiropractors within one mile of my practice, (laughs) my first practice. Mm. So it was challenging, but I had a very unique and very different approach. So if I talked to someone long enough, a potential patient long enough, they'd realize that it was unique enough to give it a shot because the the type of practice that I had was a very small subspecialty. Posture correction is is something that 90% of chiropractors do not do. They deal directly with low back pain, migraine, headaches, whatever the reason why a patient would come. But that was the only model that I had been, it was the first model I was experienced to and it changed my life so dramatically. That's what I wanted to go and do. And it worked out really well. And then, but I wanted to be able to help more people. And I realized in that environment in Northern California, where there's two chiropractic colleges and all these other chiropractors, I probably wouldn't be able to find my unique niche there as readily and the climate was changing, and not the physical climate, just the, the political climate, yeah, yeah, yeah. the housing environment. And I no longer felt like when, Northern California was my home. When was this time? time this left? was 1998, 99, 2000. Okay. So, before, like the tech tech boom is happening. It's happening. Yeah. yeah. The the, the dot com is booming. And, and, Northern and it's California just changing is getting the social more demographic. Expensive. Yeah. Extremely yeah. so. Yeah. And that was one of the, the key influencers. And so I started to look at where my high, where, where my college education, specifically with regard to chiropractic, how it uh, prepared me for success, and where the limitations to my success were also when I decided to shore those up. And as I started doing some investigative stuff and putting, implementing it into my practice, I realized there was a greater need in my profession to go out and educate my fellow chiropractors on how to do insurance billing properly, how to code properly, the things that school never taught us to do.
1: How to so, run a business.
2: How to run a business, how to yep. negotiate a lease, yep. You know those kinds of things. Yep. And so I joined a consulting company that specialized in that and I became an, a national speaker and traveled across the country with this company and went to 35 different states, got all, all chiropractors, had a bunch, I think over a hundred clients that were all chiropractors. And I started to see what eventually led to me being comfortable on stage and being comfortable speaking with a mic in my hand and influencing people and carrying that over and realizing the more I did that, the more California was not my home because Mm -hmm. I was traveling to all these other states and seeing what the United States had to offer. And I did not like Arizona, but we did lots of seminars in Phoenix. (laughs) And every time I'd meet local doctors there and go into their practices and teach them and their staff for two days, I'd always meet people that would say, I would love it if you were here. Are you teaching them about about posture analysis or are no, you teaching them? No, this is all on the business side, not the, business. Not, the, not the technical side. How to run a Yeah, child how to run a business. business, how to code properly, how to integrate with insurance companies, how okay. to make sure your patients with health insurance are getting the most benefit out of it, how to make sure you're getting paid properly by coding yep. properly, yep. and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of the clients that I had said, I would love to just collaborate with you and have fellowship with you, but you're in Northern California. And I realized that I started seeing the affordability of housing the opportunity there was there was only 700 chiropractors in the entire state versus 25 within 1 mile of my practice and i thought wow great opportunities here so i started looking at the local demographics and look and i eventually moved to goodyear arizona which was according to predictions by this time would be the, they said by you know 2025 would be the third largest city in Arizona behind Phoenix and Tucson, which I don't know if that's if that's happening, if it's on par for that, but that got me to move there.
1: Where's Goodyear in relation to Phoenix?
2: Goodyear is just south of Phoenix, okay. uh, right off I-10, which uh, but the main thoroughfare between Los Angeles and Phoenix, it's just, uh, it's just I'm sorry, just west, west of Phoenix. And that's where you're still at? Yeah. Actually, no, we live just a little north of Goodyear and Surprise. Mars, okay. and I live in Surprise, but pra- Goodyear is where I practiced. And- Within eighteen months of moving there, in two thousand, moved there in two thousand three, and within eighteen months of moving there, we had the fourth largest practice in Arizona.
1: But so when you went there, you went with the intent to open a practice, not not solely the intent to continue to to teach other chiropractors how to run their business. Correct. I was done with were that you, chapter. Oh, I that, so to go, so yeah. you were just gonna practice? It wasn't about okay. Got yeah. it. So you open up. I an, fulfilled
2: that that chapter of my life, and I went out and I educated my yeah. profession on the thing. But the company that I joined was still doing it. Yeah. I was just one of their clients and one yeah. of their consultants that did it, and they, I could just like, I'll just leave it to them to go do it. I'm now going to go run my own practice because yeah. I was in a, I was a general. I mean, I was an independent contractor With as them. a chiropractor in my previous five years. So in eighteen months,
1: you've got the fourth largest chiropractic business in Arizona, and were you were was your focus posture?
2: Yeah, exclusively is, posture and is that correction.
1: That what allowed you to grow
2: because you were so you were able to differentiate from the other chiropractors. I, I think yeah, that was definitely a component, but I think the nature of that kind of a practice model is that it's based on X-ray, which is very visual. So if I could show someone an X-ray of this is normal posture mm. and put it side by side with their X-ray and say, this is you, mm. I don't have to tell them where the problems you are. The X-ray does they, itself. You And not have to say they weren't normal. Right, and, so, and, and I would just say, this is normal posture, this is your posture, what do you see different? And then just let them tell me where the problems are, and then I can hone in on that from an anatomy standpoint. Mm-hmm. Why their symptoms are the symptoms they're having. So it's an instant connection to posture being the the at least the contributing factor to their symptoms, rather than their symptoms just coming up out of nowhere. And taking a pain medication is going to help it resolve. We have to correct the issue. So as we were talking, you told you used a number of like
1: three hundred and fifty to five hundred. Did you say patients a week yeah. that you were seeing? Yeah. How is that possible?
2: It's possible but with a very specific approach. So my, my approach was exclusively the adjusting process. The soft tissue work, I had a CA or a chiropractic assistant that did that. In fact, several of them, one to do the stretching, one to do the massage, one to put them through the traction and the rehab work. And when all of that was ready, then I would go adjust them, put the spinal bones in alignment, and their visit was done. So my time with patients was between one and a half to 2 minutes. The rest of the time, the rest of the probably 30 to 45 minutes in my office was with my staff. How much, how
1: much time did you – I mean, were you able to hire staff that already knew what they were doing,
2: and how much did you have to train them on your approach? So the answer is no, and none of, the, none of my staff knew this approach. So most of my staff came in and, and this is an interesting thing about that worked very successful for me is group interviews. So when we put an ad out for a sp- certain person, we would say everybody, now if, if I responded to your resume and I'm talking to you on the phone and say, yeah, can you come in Wednesday night at six o'clock for an interview? Your assumption is I'm interviewing you at six o'clock. Everybody's coming in Wednesday at six o'clock. So when you get there and you see that there's 25 other people, that you instantly realize are there for the same interview. I'm And my staff and I are all there, so there's all six of us there and we're watching what's happening. When the person who realizes their expectation is a single interview, they're coming in now to realize instantly it's a group interview, who leaves? And we hope, I, before they leave, we've got a, a, a photograph of them with a name tag on to see who responds well to the unknown and unexpected, because we want leaders. And the people that thrived in that environment, and then we watched one, did they leave? How did they respond to it? Did they grab a seat and sit down? And then we're watching the next level. Are they interacting with the other people? Are they introducing themselves? Are they social? Are they realizing they're talking to their competition and are they okay with that? Are the natural leaders coming to the surface? So every staff member was trained in that way, but once we got to our final three or four candidates for every job position, I'd put them through a, a, a lay lecture. In other words, the lecture that all of my new patients saw, what is chiropractic? What is chiropractic in this office? What is posture? What does posture correction look like? Why is this our intent? And why is this our focus? And educating them on what we do so they could either be on board with it, understand the common sense behind it, and be completely sold out and passionate about it. So I had very, very low staff turnover, but very, very high staff buy-in because they were all instantly patients. To be a staff member means you're automatically under care. You're going to be receiving what everyone else is receiving here and experiencing the real benefits of that. So my staff was all on board, but patients who got well told other
1: patients. Which is not, sorry, in relation to your staff is not unlike your experience. I mean, you bought into chiropractic, if I can use the words or say it that way, because you experienced it. And so you're, for lack of a better term, converting your staff by exposing them to the actual
2: yeah practice yeah it's brilliant and then they can talk firsthand about it brilliant. with patients cuz a lot of times especially somebody who's new and with n- either new to chiropractic or new to that posture correction that model approach. of chiropractic they're going to have questions sure. and when they're up there waiting for me or they're waiting for my chiropractic assistant to take them they're going to be talking to our staff and yeah. the staff can relay their own first person experience for what they're going through especially if they're new Mm -hmm. and i had uh, i i would go through the the arizona board because i wanted staff ultimately that had chiropractic experience especially the cas because that's a Mm -hmm. certification there's at least you know there's there's education that goes along with that but to be able to retrain somebody in a new model that already has the core belief is a little easier than starting fresh with somebody who doesn't really know anything about Mm -hmm. it but it was very successful. And because we talked to patients in lay language as opposed to doctor speak, which I made those mistakes the first couple of years of my life. Trying to want everybody to know that I was well-educated and to be impressed with my vocabulary um, rather than speak to them on their own terms. Yeah. And then they can go out and do my work for me and tell people why they came. And it worked really well. that's That's how we got to 350 to 500 patients a week was that model.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's incredible. Okay, so help me out. Time frame. Where Where are we at right now? So, so where you, you, you moved to? Arizona. When did you move to Arizona? Two thousand three, three. You start. So by by middle of t- two thousand five or two thousand six, you're at the fourth largest chiropractic in Arizona. Um, how long did you run that practice? Because I know you've you've sold it or you're 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 no longer operating it now. Yeah. So how long how long did you run the practice? Seven years. So
2: until like two thousand twelve. Two thousand ten. 2010. So I opened in May of 2003 and I sold my practice in May of 2010. And um,
1: was there a time when you were still running the practice? That you, I I don't know how long you've been involved with Life Vantage.
2: 13 years
1: this okay. May. So I, I so you were you had sold the practice before you were involved with LifeVantage. Help me just piece no. The I, I sold
2: the me. practice eighteen months after getting involved with LifeVantage. Okay, so you you joined LifeVantage around two thousand eight. Actually, I joined LifeVantage in. I, I started getting information in February of two thousand nine, and officially joined on May eighteenth of two thousand nine when the company went live. Okay, and. Yeah, that's when everything right started at the very to beginning. go. And, then,
1: and then, then a yearish later, roughly, is when you sell your practice. Yeah. Um. Okay. So during, I, I've got to assume. I mean, you've. I mean, you you traveled. You worked with all kinds of different chiropractors. I mean, I'm just kind of piecing your career here a little bit, but uh, traveled with all and you've inter- interacted with all kinds of different chiropractors and other healthcare professionals you 're running your practice, I've, I've got to believe you were exposed to multiple product opportunities and other companies and you probably I don't know if you had other supplements uh, or dietary products in your practice at, at, at any given time. something attracted you to life vantage. What like what was it? as but like answer that as a healthcare practitioner, why why life vantage
2: and not something else? Great question. And and I did dabble with nutritional products because I I realized that if a patient is coming in with certain health challenges or they want to optimize their wellness, those people did come in as well. And were, we're talking, we're having, because I did give nutritional advice. I would get, I had lay lectures and we had every Tuesday night, I was teaching my patients that what What is chiropractic, but also what is life? What is a carbohydrate? What is a fat? What is a protein? What does it mean to challenge your muscles? What is, why is fitness important? I wanted well-rounded patients that took responsibility for their own health. And as a result, were spokespeople for my office, not just the chiropractor, he's the wellness guy. And so I dabbled with different lines of some that were, that are, that are specific to the chiropractic profession or, or widely used in a chiropractic practitioner and then other network marketing opportunities. I never became a distributor because I never wanted to get involved. I never wanted to be distracted from the business side of my practice, but it was only products that were offered that were unique where I couldn't get them anywhere else. And, but none of them ever worked because it always became a distraction from a conversation piece because I never, I would put them in the cabinet in the lobby and wait for somebody to ask about them. And it never worked. And then when they did ask, now they're asking me a question that's not about what our care is about, it's something ancillary to that. And I quickly realized it became a distraction. So I I eliminated all supplements, but I was still very closed off to network marketing because I I felt like I had a target on my back and network marketers came into my practice literally weekly, Mm -hmm. despite the nine no soliciting signs between the (laughs) front door of the building to the front door of my practice. And so I was very jaded toward the profession. It was very jaded for people that worked in their profession, even though they may have good intentions and say, we've got this great product that can help your patients. My belief was one, if it was so great, I would have known about it by now. I would be telling you about it rather than you telling me about it, which was a big, big error on my point or on my my part. Um, But I realized that I wasn't learning about these types of things, but I was open to it. And it wasn't, there was this one fateful day where this patient came in For his second evaluation, he'd come in the day before for his exam and his x-rays and everything. Well put together guy, real professional guy. And he says, hey, doc, before we get started, because I was about to go over his x-rays and his findings and recommend a course of care. He goes, hey, doc, before we get started, I've got a great product line I think can help your patients. Classic network marketing pickup line. Mm. And I was like, let me guess it's network marketing and he goes as a matter of fact it is yeah. and i said let, it, let me just save us both a lot of heartache i don't believe in network marketing and as those words were exiting my mouth i said did i really say i don't believe in network marketing and he goes that's and he says wow dr nettles he goes that's a very ignorant statement from an educated man wow good for him and he said it very respectfully sure and as he said it he paused a little bit and i'm thinking did he just insult me <laughs> And then he said, let me ask you a question. Has anyone ever told you they don't believe in chiropractic? And I said, yes, all the time. And I said, especially from my medical colleagues. And he goes, but let me tell you, let me ask you a question. I bet you their ignorance and their lack of belief doesn't sway your belief at all because you're educated on something they are clearly ignorant in. And I said, exactly. He goes, well, the same thing exists here. Would you care to be educated on something you're clearly ignorant in about network marketing? And I'm thinking, this guy is good. Yeah. And now if I say no, I'm going to be the fool, the most foolish person that this guy's ever talked to. Today. And I was like, so I'm thinking, I have to say yes. And this guy is incredibly great at what he's doing. And maybe there is something I haven't seen yet. And mm-hmm. I said, absolutely. So two days later, I went to his network marketing meeting Mm -hmm. and he mentioned two things one the book called the cash flow quadrant from robert kiyosaki which i had just read about b quadrant business and leveraged income which i knew i didn't have in my practice though i wanted that and the other was the benefits of health and wellness from a nutritional standpoint which i wasn't providing in my office i decided to get rid of that i would rather refer them to a nutritionist than to handle it in-house but if I could handle it in-house and, and get some financial compensation and bless my patients with a higher state of wellness, why wouldn't I? And I thought, I just need to hire another staff and we can make this happen. And so it didn't end up being the company for me. They did, The product line wouldn't have fit into my practice, but it kept me open. And then within a month or two later, I get a call from a firefighter in Tucson, Arizona by the name of Blue Elam, <laughs> who mentioned this product pro-tandem to me which I was already using. Oh, I you had were... already had been had my own personal product benefit. I had about 30 patients that were already on the product because it was a retail product. We were getting it at GNC. Okay, so you bought it retail. I bought it retail. I was you, already how, using it in my practice. Like how did you find it? Interesting story. Uh, I was, and I'll make it quick. My, a guy that I referred patients to and he referred patients to me, he was a naturopathic medical doctor and he was a former, a professional racquetball player. And I wanted to get into more cardiovascular fitness and have him teach me racquetball. And he started giving me lessons, 6 a.m. every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And so I, I tell him this day, this specific day, hope you brought your A game. Cause I, I mean, I learned enough skills and I'm, I'm a pretty cocky guy. Sometimes yep. I like to implement what I've learned before I'm really ready to. <laughs> this is an example of that. And so I said, I hope you brought your A game. And so he let me score two points. And then scored 21 straight points on me and humiliated me. I mean, I don't know if listeners know much about racquetball, but it's a, you play off the four walls. The, it was the front, the side, the back, and the ceiling. And he literally ran me ragged because he was so good, former professional. And I'm just obviously learning. And as we're leaving the gym that day, my eyebrows bloody, my elbows are bloody, my knees are bloody. He flips me a bottle of ProTandem and says, you're going to need this. Now, because I'm so humiliated, I didn't even remember the encounter. He calls me two weeks later, and and he said, hey, did you, did you take that, that stuff I gave you? And I said, what, you mean the butt kicking? <laughs> yeah, I took it like a man. Why do you think I haven't been back in the gym playing racquetball with no. you? He goes, no, the pro tandem. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, that stuff I gave you, you put it in your gym bag, dude. Go look, it's inside your gym bag. And I, My gym bag was still in the trunk of my car. hadn't moved in two yeah. weeks. So I find it. I start taking it. Five days later, I get in. I'm playing in a flag football tournament, and it was it was actually for our church. It was on Super Bowl Sunday, mm. and every Super Bowl Sunday, the church we were going to at the time had a men's barbecue. Come come barbecue, bring whatever meat you want, bring your alcohol if you want. Let's have a barbecue. Let's play some football, and then if you're up to it, we'll go to the pastor's house after and we'll watch the Super watch Bowl. The it was a great way of introducing people to God who thought that we were Bible thumping crazy people. Yep. And these guys who brought their, their, uh, their fermented beverages got a little too much to drink and turned a flag football tournament into a tackle tournament with one tackle, me, and twisted my knee and ruptured the ACL in my right knee.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: Ruptured the ACL, which is the anterior cruciate ligament, which for listeners is 25% of the stability of my knee. Mm-hmm. And a horrific knee injury. And I, it's on a Sunday, I've got 125 patients the next day. And all I could think of is I'm laying on, the be- on my back in the worst pain I've ever been in. What do I do now? My career is over. And I'm going to need surgery. I could hear the pop. People 20 feet away heard the pop of the ligament. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, I was already on ProTandem, not knowing it had anything to do with what was going to happen over the next five days. And that's when I took interest in the product. And I called Dr. Brian and said, dude, what is in this stuff? Because the stuff was in Latin. I didn't know what with With Thania simnifera was. I didn't know what any of this stuff was. And he, you know, he kind of he said, I've been using it in my office with my patients. It increases glutathione. And I was like, that's what it is. So I, I took some patients that had plateaued. They weren't benefiting, or they were, they had stopped benefiting from care. They had plateaued and they were frustrating for me. I went out and bought about six bottles and put them on it, and they started progressing again. And posture was correcting again. Then I took it to a different level, went out and bought a bunch more bottles. I was trying to discover what it could do. And then when the first patients that were on, it started getting their re-x-rays. Yep. I was watching their x-rays change in a corrective capacity. I've got to tell everybody about this. Yep. And when I, and I started sharing with my colleagues. I had some colleagues who started buying it at GNC as well. And then I get the call from Blue and telling me they're taking this into network marketing and inviting me to be part of the conversion process. I'm like, sorry, dude. I don't do that. I had a sign on my door that mentioned two companies by name under the no soliciting sign on my practice. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not into it, but I just read that, that book. I had just had this guy change my reality with, net, with the potential of network marketing. And I'd been praying a lot about it and thought, well, maybe this is the clandestine answer to my prayer. Again, back to those McFly moments that God brings me in my life. And turns out literally 18 months later, it would be, and the reason why this was so important at this moment of my life, I had a three-year-old son at home and a newborn daughter that never saw daddy. Yep. 80 to 90 Dad's hours a week outside my home.
1: Yep.
2: I, did, I wanted to be daddy more than I wanted to be doctor. And the current life I was living didn't allow me to do that. In fact, the bigger my practice grew, the less time I spent with them. And I couldn't control that anymore. And so it just gave me a whole different outlook. I had already seen it in practice. Then I decided I'm just going to cut back to part-time hire another doctor to come in and take over my afternoons and I'm gonna go be an afternoon daddy. And with Life Antige in my life and the product benefits and and how quickly our organization grew once I became a distributor, it allowed me financially to say, no, I don't have to do that. I could be a full-time dad. And maybe when they're grown and they're out of school, I'll go back into practice at some day. And I don't know whether I ever will, I don't ever need to anymore, but it's something that allowed me now to help people when i w- when i'm not in my office which i never was able to do while i'm being a dad and now it's it's in 25 26 countries around the world so my ability to impact humanity is tremendously exponentially grown
1: you know it's interesting the uh we recorded another episode um and uh the the individual we were talking to in that episode also a healthcare practitioner um and uh and the similar question was asked of her why Life vantage as a healthcare practitioner, and it was a very similar story in that I mean she didn't blow up her knee, um, but she was exposed to the to the to the product for herself right to use it for herself, and uh, which led to immediate conversion. I think in her scenario it was within two days she was able to see some pretty significant benefits, and then and then the same thing she started using it in her practice with with uh with some of her patients and then and then finally joined life vantage as a uh, as a distributor so interesting that, you're, that 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 it was through your own personal experience uh that really brought you to the to the
2: to the product and then and then to the company itself yeah that was the first layer there was another layer and as i started to share my benefits my practice benefits x-ray before and afters with some of my colleagues because Keep in mind, my my demographic was other chiropractors. Not only the ones that I had trained when I was a consultant, but also the ones that were in my town. And, and I created a lot of collaboration with local chiropractors because I wanted to be colleagues, not, not not competition. And I realized there was this aversion. One, because it would have been okay if the product was still a retail product. They had this instant aversion because it was network marketing. And what's what differentiates it from other, pra- other products in the space? And interesting thing about that, while I was waiting for my practice to be built out, so I moved to Arizona in March of 2003. I didn't open my practice until May because it was being built out. But I had, so I had had afternoons free. So I I literally went down to the court system in Arizona to, to watch the the legal side of this. What is why are my fellow colleagues what are what are bringing them up on charges? Why are they losing their license? How are they being disciplined legally? I wanted to know that environment so to make sure I steered clear of all those things, and I saw something that came up quite often: network marketing products that were given to patients with no other reason other than the kickback, or that was the assumption. that was the uh, that was the uh, the accusation where you're only giving them to your patients because you're getting a financial kickback. What is your clinical rationale for using this product? And there was whatever their argument was, however they answered that question, there was no scientific basis to it. It was all subjective opinion. And and none of them were able to defend either the suspension or the fine, or in some cases losing their license for it. And I thought I'll never, that just reaffirmed why I'm not going to get involved in this industry. But I realized there was science behind this one. I could, if, if I ever became on the accusing end of that, I could say, this is before the the product. This is after the product. You can clearly see with your own eyes, the benefit, the progress, because this was a person who was not they had plateaued. And this is the clinical rationale. Why read this study. And if after reading the study, you determine that I gave this to the patient for only the kickback benefit to me financially and not the clinical benefit to their body, then we're going to have a legal discussion about this. I could, I could protect myself legally. That was the assumption I made, but then I'm not a researcher. I was a chiropractor, but I knew a lot of researchers that were also chiropractors. And I sent it out to them. I sent the studies and said, two questions. Is this legitimate science? And is this product legitimate? I'm still determining whether I'm gonna be a distributor or not. And they all came back with yes and yes. And can I buy this product and label it with my own? A couple of these guys were international Um, influencers that they wanted to label the relabel the product under their product line and and add it to their their repertoire and the answer was obviously no but they all gave the thumbs up yes it's a legitimate product yes the the science is valid and so much so they wanted to be involved but they couldn't either because they didn't want to get involved in network marketing or they already had contractual agreements with other companies where they did and that's when I realized this is legit. I could protect my license, I could make my patients better, and I could provide for my family in a way that is ethically and morally responsible, and that I can maintain my personal and professional integrity in the process. Yeah. And that's when I went all in. Okay.
1: All right. So you go all in. Eventually, you sell your practice. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then you're running full board as a as a life insurance distributor. Um, and you've had a ton of success. And I don't I don't know that I really wanna I mean, we can talk about your distributorship and everything that you've done, but what I wanted what I wanted to get to eventually, because and and this is right, when you were when when you and I were talking about actually doing this podcast, you mentioned some products that you're passionate about. Your words, my jam. Yeah. Uh, this product is my jam. Uh, and it's the the tri synergizer, what we call the protandem tri synergizer, which is the the ProTendum Nerf Two, ProTendum Nerf, uh, Nerf One, and the NAD. Um, so why? What like why is that your jam? And and I we may need to like break down each product individually and 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 what they do and why someone should use them and why they're important. But what 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 makes it your jam?
2: Why do you love this product? Well, I, I love the Tri-Synergizer because even in the only, and this is kind of the disclaimer here, the only product that I was using in my practice was the only one that we had available at the time, which was ProTandem NRF2. Mm-hmm. By the time I sold my practice, it wasn't until years later that ProTandem NRF1 and NAD came on board and completed what I now call my jam. Had I had them in my disposal then, I would have been using them then because no matter how great protandim NRF2 is, no matter what improvement my patients were having and I was having and people around me were having, some people would still show up sluggish. They would still have lack of energy. There, still wouldn't, there would still be something that wasn't working quite right because lowering oxidative stress is awesome, but it's not the be-all end-all. There's other facets of wellness. And I realized that a lot of what people call They're they're fatigued, they're tired, they're exhausted. Had to deal with mitochondria, which lowering oxidative stress may make some impact on, but we're still missing the component. We're missing, why are they fatigued? Why are they running out of energy? We're, We're not addressing the energy component. So when NRF1 came out, and we're dealing now with mitochondria and the source of where cellular energy comes from, took it to a whole different level. And now you compound the two together, they work. It's kind of like one plus one equals four situation. They, they're synergistic together, which is why we have the dual synergizer. And it just compounded the benefits that NRF2 was already having by providing increased cellular energy to cells that already have reduced oxidative stress. That was working well until we reinvented it again with NAD. And you take now cells with less oxidative stress. And let's for, for the listeners, if you're not familiar with oxidative stress, let's just focus on the second word, stress. We all know what stress is. And when we are under stress, we're not as good of a husband as we could be, or a wife we could be, or a daughter, or a friend, or a neighbor. Stress causes us to be less than what we have potential to do. Well, when you're dealing with stress on your cells, when you are in reducing the stress to your cells, your cells simply perform better. Every one of your organs is made up of cells and every one of your systems is made up of organs and you are made up of systems. So if you start at the cellular level and you increase this, reduce the stress, increasing efficiency, you just created transformation in a human being's life. Throw on top of that, Increased cellular energy, so the cells can do what they're supposed to be doing more efficiently and longer. They're going to show up a different way. And now, when you take the NAD, the ProTandem NAD, which rounded out this tri-synergizer, when you can now focus on how cells communicate internally with themselves and how they can turn, they can they communicate with their neighbors around them. Cellular efficiency and cellular communication now you take cells that have less stress cells that have more energy and cells that are communicating better with themselves and their neighbors you just transform human health and so that's why it became my jam when we gave when we st- came with this tri synergizer and then on top of that the cognition part of it because you can have a cellular experience but if you're not thinking about it and your brain is not tuned in to that cellular experience enhancement there's another missing component with axio on top of that and the cognitive benefits and cellular balancing of the brain and neurotransmitter balance and mood memory motivation and all of these things it quickly became my jam as far as passion what I talk about to lay people what I talk about to fellow healthcare providers and what I talk to or what I talk about for people that want to increase their life expression because that's really what it's all about we are, our expression of life comes down to how well our cells are performing and how well we're thinking about how well our cells are performing or even if we're thinking about that and most people don't until they stop performing well then they think about it they don't really think about wellness they think about illness but if we could remove things to think about on the illness side more things to think about on the wellness side and think about possibility it's it's um it's un Fathomable what the potential is, which is why it's quickly and rapidly become my jam. And I, what love I love this to talk
1: about. the way you explained this. Right of <clears throat> um, less stress on the cell through NRF two, more energy in the cell through NRF one, and then better cellular communication through NAD. It's the, that's the most simplistic, but accurate way of explaining the tris synergizer that I think I've I've heard. Uh-huh. Uh, I love that oh, thank you. and and. And the benefit then, if you were to describe to the individual that the, these three products used, used together are going to, going to deliver that, right? Less stress, more energy, better communication. What then should that individual anticipate or expect when they start using
2: the product? What does that mean to them, if that makes sense? Great question. And I think they would just have to kind of take a personal inventory. And if you look at all three of those benefits, if you were to just take one of them away mm-hmm. and say, you have great communication, you have less stress, but you have no energy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What's your life experience gonna be like?
1: Yeah.
2: And what if we just increased your energy? We talk about the one we took away and then restoring it. Now they can have an understanding of the, the benefit of all of them. Or let's say you've got great communication and you have great energy, but you have cellular stress or you have stress in your life. So you've got great energy and you've got great communication, but you have stress in your life. We can look at them individually and realize with all three present, if we took away one, it would make more of an impact than if we never had that one to begin with because we have no frame of reference. But when you look at the totality of that and you look at the potential for all of that together, what does it look like is really limitless depending upon the person we're talking to is once they grasp what would it be like for me to have less stress, more energy, and better communication. And sometimes people don't have a frame of reference. I say, okay, let's say you got a great energy and you have no stress. You're driving to the grocery store because you've got the, the list that your wife gave you to go to the grocery store and she forgot some things. And so she calls you. But you happen to be in an area that has low cell reception, and you're like, "Yeah, it, it, you're hearing every third word, and you think she means something." So you <laughs> you go into there thinking what you thought she said, and you come home with that item, and it's not at all yeah. what she thought or what she or told what you, you. Thought and it was or what you thought, and all it was was a communication gap. But when you get home and realize that communication gap was in error, I don't care how much stress you didn't have or how much energy you did have, it all just changed dramatically because of that communication error. We have that all the time. We have the equivalent of bad cell service or failed call or a drop call in our cells constantly. We just call them certain symptoms of certain issues that somebody will give a certain diagnosis to but we've never really broken it down into such simplistic forms as our body is just, our body has alarm systems and we don't like them most of the time. So when our body gives us an alarm, let's call it you wake up with a headache or you wake up with a little kink in your neck. We don't like the way that feels because it takes away from our quality of life. So we reach for the medicine cabinet and take something to alleviate that. But all we did was mask it. We didn't address, why am I having it? What was my life like yesterday? Did I push it too far? And now I'm waking up with my body telling me, hey, slow down. And we don't listen to the, hey, slow down. We listen to the symptom and we miss the whole entire point. We can only do that for so long. And eventually our body's gonna start, reject, or start objecting. And all a symptom is, is your body's objection to the current state you're living in. And eventually that objection, if you don't address it at its cause, the objections are gonna get louder and louder and louder until they force you to pay attention to them. And sometimes now you gotta get specialists involved that have sharp things called scalpels and they've got <laughs> prescription pads and that usually doesn't end well. Yeah. So if we can get people to focus on the objections when they're a whisper and they don't get to a scream and they feel the benefits before they get to a whisper, ideally, then we have the ability to change humanity dramatically. It's just a matter of converting that understanding of how it goes and so, how it breaks down. Some some
1: of the people that are listening right now, they're like, "Okay, I get it. I'm I'm in. I I love what he's saying." But Dondi was, he's a doctor. Dondi went through all kinds of school. He's well-researched. He's done all this stuff. Like, I couldn't talk about this product the way that Dondi's talking about this product. I couldn't do this. Like, what's your
2: response to that? I lived that response for far too long, unfortunately. And so thank you for that. That's the That question is the hardest for me to answer, Jesse, but it's also the one I probably have most passion about because I learned that, In this well-orchestrated design of a network marketing business, nobody has to know what I know unless they want to. Because I started as a doctor. I started as a curious doctor who wanted to learn more about these products. And I did because I wanted to satisfy my own curiosity, but I wanted to help people in the process. But I realized I alienated a lot of people because of my title and because of my vocabulary and how deeply and intimately I understand this information. And I spoke about it with passion, but most people go, well, I don't know what you know, I don't even wanna know what you know, and I can't do the business because I don't know what you know. But it's like, to the response to that, because I get it all the time, is like, I don't want you to know what I know. I just want you to know I'm in your pocket if you need me. You have ways of, of addressing things I'll never know. Like I cannot talk to a single mom in a single mom's perspective, because I've never been a single mom, but single moms ask different questions than doctors do. I can answer a question from a doctor who happens to have a patient who's a single mom, who's skeptical about these products. And I could educate the doctor on why this. you need to listen to the single mom. I can play a, a utility role in that in that respect because that's what the most beneficial and the most successful organizations in this industry we call network marketing know what their strengths are and know who their people are they know what they they are all they're a byproduct of a team of MVPs with all different backgrounds and so when people tell me that it's like I don't want you to know what I know I just want you to know what you know because you can address people with what you know the way I can't, but if you ever find somebody who needs the questions that I can answer, then by all means, I'm in your pocket. I'm in your corner, but go go do you. And I think that's why network marketing is so successful when done right. But for the first couple of years, I didn't do that right. I wanted to teach everybody what I knew and make a bunch of mini me's. Which is common. And it, it failed miserably. Yeah, which is
1: common. But great, great counsel, right? Lift where you stand, be your own person, rely on one another. Use your to, team. To use your team, rely on one another. We're going to wrap this up, but I have a question. What's what's the next chapter
2: for Dondi? What's happening? It's influencing influencers. So knowing what I know and knowing, I mean, it, the world we're living in now in mid-2022, if it's exposed anything, it's the vast ignorance in the world because there's such a predominant there's too much information out there for, and it's, as a result it's confusing but there's a lot of ignorance but there's also a lot of apathy people have become distrusting and they they want better but they don't trust themselves to go find better or they don't trust other people that have their best interest in mind and so to help those people realize we are just people who love life and love each other we just have to go find people that are in our tribe and find and vibe the way we want to vibe so my next chapter and this is with my wife marcy and i is to in, to influence people that are look that are already influential or are looking to be influential in a, raising health capacity or raising financial capacity and ultimately it really comes down to allowing people to up level their life experience whether that's financial or health or both and empowering them and supporting them to do so and LifeVantage is a perfect vehicle to do that. And through that, we meet other people because one thing I love about this industry is it creates teams, but it creates lifelong bonds. And you may meet somebody who has a health need, but they also have a financial need and life vantage may be able to remedy both of them. And once you're in that unique friendship relationship, you may also know this person has a social need. We have teams of people that are like-minded people and there's nothing, it kind of, and I guess I'll summarize it in a very awkward way or an unusual way. There's a band called Blind Melon and they put out a song in the late nineties, early or late nineties, early two thousands called "No Rain." And it's the, the whole. And it's the video. The video is super impactful. So you got to ch- look it up on YouTube. It's this girl dressed in a bumblebee costume. She feels comfortable as a bumblebee, and she tries to with her passion express to everybody. And she gets laughed at. She gets ridiculed until she finds her tribe. And when she finds all the other bumblebees, their life changes because of her inclusion, and her life changes because she's now part of a tribe where she was a solo bumblebee before. Mm-hmm. That entire, if you watch that video, Blind Melon, No Rain, it kind of encompasses what network marketing generally and life vantage specifically has to offer, a tribe of inclusion and in a community of like-minded people for the benefit of everyone. And I don't know if I could define it any greater than that because it's not just a, an, how we experience life, but when we can help other people up-level their lives, that automatically uplevels ours. And we all you know that. You know, I don't know if it's Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, we've all said different variations of the same thing. You help people get what they want and you get what you want by default. So that's ultimately what I, how I like to summarize it, why I'm here in the next chapter, is just to increase upon our ability to give back and help people become who God created them to become. I love it. I
1: love it. And I love the fact that uh, that we're going to be part of it with you. So
2: Amen. what's well, such it's, an honor to be here Jesse such an honor to be asked to be sitting in this seat being interviewed by you and I'm just such a it's, a, it's an honor and a blessing to be part of life Vantage.
1: well it's uh, it's our honor this has been great this has been so much fun and I learned I actually learned quite a bit about you that I didn't I didn't know so this has been a treat for me and I hope it's a treat for those that listen and that some real wisdom uh, and good counsel not just on the products but on a lot of a lot of things you talked on so this has been fantastic. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate you so much. Thank you, LifeVantage family.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Activation Nation podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tell your friends and share your biggest takeaways from today's discussion with anyone who could benefit from them. This episode is sponsored by LifeVantage Legacy, a nonprofit dedicated to improving lives and building a lasting impact for those in need around the world. Learn more at LifeVantage.com. We look forward to sharing more with you during next week's conversation. Thanks for listening and being an important part of the Life Vantage community.